Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. We have got a lot going on in the Big Ten to talk about. It's a show where we have two fantastic guests. We have casual Big Ten. Kent, coming from a, a cabin? Kent, is that right? Yeah, I'm in the middle of the uh, Georgia mountains right now. I can't, I'm can't. i not going to say the city exactly because I'm here for the next 12 hours. I don't want anybody, any of my fans tracking me down. Yeah. So uh, I'm not going to say exactly where I'm at, but yeah, I'm in the Georgia mountains right now, North Georgia mountains. It's a good time, man. Beautiful place. Beautiful. It's nice to get away every once in a while, but I couldn't miss this. Couldn't miss some hoops talk, man. Couldn't. Oh, I won't lie. I, I might be stupid, but I didn't even know Georgia had mountains. Oh, yeah, man. They're out here. I'm, I'm sitting in them right now. Yep. I'm at the you're top of a mountain right now. Yep. <laughs> down there. Do some recruiting for the Big Ten while you're down there because I have some really good uh, football players in Georgia from what I hear. Yeah, I'm on that. That's what I've been doing this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and we also have Brent, the CEO of Big Panther Sports. Brent, how are you doing tonight? Hey, great. How are you, JR? I'm good. I'm good. You're not in a cabin, correct? I'm not. Just back home in Columbus. Okay. All right. Any mountains around? As flat as can be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. The game was not flat. Oh, crap. I have a few other things I've talked about before. You know that. <laughs> We're going to talk about the game here in just a second. Uh, Big Bay to Sports. Big Bay to Sports.com. Please do go visit that. It has all the Big Ten media you need. And then also, please do like and subscribe if you're listening on podcast. Please give us a follow, subscribe. Uh, five-star rating over there. We appreciate that as well. Somebody gave us a one-star the other day. And they didn't even leave a rating. So, you know what? You know, jerk. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but like, at least tell me why I suck. You know, like if you don't like the podcast, tell us why. Uh, we had somebody unsubscribe the other day because Kent didn't put Braden Smith in their, uh, in his top three for uh, Big Ten player of the year. So Kent, do you want to speak on that before we get into Purdue, Ohio State? Yeah, I'm guessing it was the same guy. It has to be. That gave you the one star review. He probably probably like tried to bomb you from every angle he could because he was mad. He actually was mad because I said I was a Braden Smith hater. Which oh. he interpreted as like I hate Braden Smith, which I don't. I'm just a hater, like jealous, like I just don't like you know what a hater is. And uh I think he just he read that the wrong way. And that's fine though, because I'm still a Braden Smith hater. Um and I'm happy to talk about the Purdue game today. Let's get into that soon. Yeah. Well, we got Fisherman here. We were just talking about you, Fisherman, wondering if you would be here because we're like, hey, Fisherman is like our only Ohio State fan that stays with us the entire time. So uh we salute you, Fisherman, and we're gonna give you your props here. But before that, Sonny touching in uh some good looking folks on the episode tonight. Thanks, Sonny. Wish you were here. Uh, but we had you here for the award episode and uh we appreciate that you didn't lose a subscriber for us like Kent did. So he might have though. Like we don't know for sure. Like they might have just not commented like a bunch of people unsubscribed, but uh they just didn't leave a comment after they unsubscribed. That it's possible still. Oh nice. Fisherman said he went to the game. It was a good day. Oh, I went let's That's go awesome. Fisherman. Yeah, there we go. Oh, and Michael, Michael Allen, how about them Gophers? Yes, we have that. Actually, it's the second game. This is the only Big Ten podcast where you'll find that Rutgers and Minnesota is the second game talked about in front of Wisconsin and Illinois. So if you are a Wisconsin or a Minnesota fan or a Rutgers fan, just know this type of podcast is for you. So, uh, and Fisherman saying Purdue fans showed up. Yes, I heard the Purdue fans there. Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into it because we have got a lot to talk about here. Oh, and I still have that comment up. All right, guys. Ohio State beats Purdue seventy-three to sixty-nine. This was this was a fantastic game for Ohio State fans. Uh, the interim head coach Jake Diebler coming in there, getting the win over Matt Painter. I honestly like there were a, a, quite a few different ways I was looking at this game. Like, how in the world did this happen? Did Ohio State body Purdue? No, they didn't do that. Did Ohio State outskill Purdue? No, I don't really think they did that. Like, this was just a game that just kind of like Ohio State. Don't get me wrong, they played well and they played hard, but certain things just kind of fell into their lap in this way. And and they, they got turnovers. I mean, they turned Zach Eady over six times in this game. Uh, when Zach Eady's turning over six times, instead of getting six assists, you know, you're in, uh, you know, in it to win in this one, Brent, uh, you're in Columbus. So you're obviously feeling the, uh, the vibes and everything going on over there. What were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, man, super excited to see Ohio state actually go out and, and win a game. It's, it's been a minute since we've, uh, had, had the luxury of seeing that. And to do it against Purdue, I mean, my expectations going into this game were like I, I flipped it on, not even knowing if I was going to even watch the second half, but flipped it on, 
see the Buckeyes start off on a horrible like eight zero run or something against with Purdue up. I'm like, well, this is exactly what I expected. It's and you know typical Ohio State and a typical Purdue just going out and kind of shellacking everyone that play. But then you know that's not what happened. Ohio State kind of there there was a spark, uh, and somehow they I mean they got up big and then. They almost choked it away in typical Ohio State fashion, but they were actually able to hold on uh, and come away with the win, which was awesome, awesome to see. Um, I think that these guys were playing for, I mean, he wasn't on the sidelines, but they were playing for Chris Holman. I think that uh, him being fired kind of lit a spark under the team. And they were like, you know, that. I think that's what it took to get them to really play a cohesive, complete game to kind of realize, hey, we're not playing up to our potential we got to be better and they went out and did that today and uh, it was great to see i mean can they still make the tournament uh, that's probably an absolute long shot but at least at least they're playing good basketball and that's something that couldn't have been said for uh you know a majority of the season hey it's not january anymore so you know the january slump's not happening you never know uh no i i, I agree it's, it's gonna be a really really high uphill, uphill climb for this ohio state team to win the tournament but uh obviously this is an energizing win it's it's great for for the state and for the program especially a program that i mean i felt like there were more purdue fans there than it was ohio state fans i wasn't in the building so i don't know but that's what it seemed like from just from watching on TV. It it got louder, honestly, for Purdue than it did for Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. Kent, what were your thoughts? I just thought, like, you guys kind of touched on a little bit of, of this already, but I just felt like you're right. They didn't outskill Purdue. They didn't out, like, scheme them or anything. There was just an energy, like, on the bench in there. There's an energy in the shot today. I thought even even though you're saying, like, more Purdue fans there, I think they fed off, like, what the fans were giving them. and. You know, I don't want to disagree with Brant right off the rip here, but I think they won despite, you know, the energy that they got from Chris Holtman leaving. I think they won because they had somebody else finally on the bench that was giving them some of that energy, you know, which Chris Holtman you did not do the rest of the season if you're looking back towards the beginning of the season. And, you know, if they really wanted to play for Chris Holtman, it's too obviously it's too late now. They're pretty smart kids. They knew that his job was on the chopping block and they should have did this weeks ago. And it's been a roster, JR. I've talked to you about this like a bunch of times this year. I think this roster is talented. I think that I thought at the beginning of the year they'd be closer to the top of the Big Ten than they are right now. And it just took it took this this big thing to happen, this firing to happen for them to finally bring it together. I don't know if it's because they were doing it for him or because he's finally gone and someone else was there. I don't really know, but it was nice to see them finally come together as a team and uh, get a big win like this. I mean, they haven't had one in a, in a while. Yeah, no, for sure. Sonny, I see that question. I'm going to star that and we'll talk about that at the end. I do want to make sure we talk some Purdue. Uh, Fisherman bringing up some good points here. The bench helped at the end of the first half. They certainly did. Ohio State's bench outscored Purdue's bench what was it 27 to 4 I think it was or something like that I don't I can't add all the numbers up in my head right away but I can add up four and that's what Purdue had uh from their bench so at the end of the day like just, I how, how do you do that you're the number two team in the nation how does Mason Gillis score two points how does Cam Heidi score two points yeah I mean you had Caleb first in there you had Miles Colvin you had Ethan Morton like I'm sorry, but at a certain point, Ethan Morton, like, I know the dude plays good defense, but, like, the dude played nearly 20 minutes. He had three rebounds. That's at a certain point. I mean, yeah, and Fisherman, another good point here with Edie off the court with two fouls. Ohio State eight when Edie was off the court. I think at one point, I didn't keep track the entire time, and I meant to go back and look, but I couldn't, I didn't have enough time. But Ohio State went something like 16 on like a 16 to two run in the combined two parts when Edie was off the court in the first half. Like I, I I hate the narrative that Purdue is only good because of Zach Edie, because I think they have a lot of good players on their team. And I think there's a lot of guys who do things really well, but that's inexcusable. That's inexcusable, not just on the players. That's inexcusable to Matt Painter. Like Matt Painter has got to get this together. If his guy can get into foul trouble, which, you know, we can say all we want about the refs today. And it is what it is. You know, you, you always have to play with what the refs are doing. But Edie wasn't in foul trouble in the second half, and they still only outscored Ohio State by one point in the second half. So it's like, 
at a certain point, I mean, Brent, if you're if you're a Purdue fan, I'm not saying it's like panic time, but Purdue kind of went on a bit of a bad streak at the end of the Big Ten season last year. Are should Purdue fans be concerned about something like that happening again? Yeah, I think for Purdue, this is definitely concerning to to go and drop this game. It's, I mean, it gives them flashes to every March where they play a team that's a lot lesser. You know, you're favored by a heavy amount because you're clearly the better team. And you go out and drop one because you just can't stop turning the ball over. It's, it happens in every single March, and it just happened again with this team that is supposed to be, you know, head and shoulders above their teams from, from the past few years. Um, so I, I think there, it's definitely time to, um, to hit the panic button. And worth noting, like, usually the way they lose these games is by, you know, just putting pressure on the guards and they just can't handle it, can't get the ball into Edie. But this game, it was Zed Key just popping the ball out from Edie seemingly every time that he touched him. And it, it, it was it was Edie himself that was turning the ball over. Uh, so concerning, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I think at the end of the day, like Edie was like they had Zach Edie as the Ken Palm MVP. And I get that like Zach Edie is the best player on the scene, best player in the country. But there were aspects to his game that lost the game for this team in this one. I'm not going to say the loss was on him. Obviously the dude had what 20, some uh, 22 points. <laughs> like the loss isn't on him, but there were aspects of him turning the ball over and losing the ball. That was on him for the loss in this one. Kent, what do you think? I thought it was interesting that Ohio state did not fear him defensively. We talked about him as possibly being, uh, you know, on defensive, all, all big 10 or one of the best defensive players in the league. And I thought that they, we're just not scared to go right at him. I know Thornton went right at him a couple times. I mean, one time he got a block, one time he floated it over. On a, he had a couple times where he was attacking him, but I just thought that was interesting. Also think it's interesting that right now on the stat sheet, you have uh, for Zach Eady, zero for zero from three-point land, which, you know, everyone knows that if Zach Eady does not hit a three, then, you know, the game is in limbo at that point. They need him to hit a three-pointer, right? For them to be able to get a win. And then one more thing, too, before I go, because he's been on the pod with me before, uh, JR. Java Men, uh, he said before the game today, does Ohio State get an interim coach spark? So he called this. This was at like 10 a.m. this morning. He called that. So I wanted to give him a little shout out on that, too. They definitely got that spark. And uh, like I said, it was really nice to see. But, yeah, just Ohio State attacking the big man and uh, going right at Purdue. I thought it was really interesting. They weren't scared at all today of anything Purdue did defensively. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Philip makes a great point here too. Fletcher lawyer one for seven and oh, for one, there is no way Fletcher lawyer plays plus 20 minutes at a game and should only be taking one three pointer. Like that's that that's on Matt painter. Matt painter screwed this up. If he has his 40 plus percent, uh, three point shooter, Fletcher lawyer, who is not, a dribbling threat who is not like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to take away from the guy. The guy has a really, really excellent three point shooter. One of the best in the country. He took one three pointer today. The team took nine. Like (laughs) you're not going to win. You're not going to win at the rate that Purdue wins. Yes. You're still going to win games because you're dominant, but you're not going to win at the rate that Purdue wins. If you are not taking advantage of one of the best aspects of the team, which is three point shooting, which is that allowing Zach Eady to pass from the post and get three pointers. If Zach Eady had six assists in this game instead of six turnovers, Purdue wins this game. It's yeah, the way it is. So. I do think that this was a, you know, we talk about uh, this whole season. We've talked about is there tape now on how to stop Purdue? Is there a, a blueprint for how to beat Purdue because they've been beat a couple times now? But if you flip it though, now Purdue has a blueprint to say, okay, this is how we lost. This is what we need to fix going into the tournament. So if you're a Purdue fan, this might not be the worst thing that's happened this late in the season. Okay, they did X, Y, and Z against us. We have to fix that before March gets here. It's not the worst thing for them. I'm still very confident in Purdue. I mean, obviously, that you should be because we've only lost three games this year. It's still the best team in the conference. So uh, I I still have a lot of faith in them to make a deep run in March. I'm not that concerned about this loss. And I do think that they have stuff that they can look at now and say, hey, we can fix this in the next three weeks before uh, it gets really serious and we win or go home. Yeah. I mean, as long as they actually fix those things, right? Right. Right. You learn from your mistakes. As long as Matt painter, I mean, let's be honest. They're going to, if they, 
play like they've been playing the rest of the season. They're going to win the Big Ten. They're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament, probably make a Final Four. And then from there, it's just like, you know, you try to win the game and it is what it is. Whatever happens, happens. But if they start playing like this, where the offense is just not really in sync and Fletcher Warriors only shooting one three-pointer and plays 20-plus minutes, like, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have a good question here from Sonny. We'll wrap it up with this. Brant, we'll go to you first. Is there any record Diebler, Jake Diebler, that being, could finish out the season with where you think he'd be comfortable or you you think you'd be comfortable just making him the permanent head coach? Brant, what record does Jake Diebler need to achieve in order to make the permanent head coaching role? I'm just going to say no. Um, I, I think it's an interim coach spark, like like Ken said. You, you see it in sports all the time where a coach is fired and the team comes out and wins their next game. It happens all the time. Um, and I, I love Jake Diebler. I've been a big fan of uh, everything he's given to Ohio State. He's been a great piece of the staff here the past few years. But you, you just don't go and hire a coach from the staff who didn't succeed for the past few years previously um, and expect different results. It's not going to be any different than it would have been if you kept Holtman around. Um, so, I mean, if they're going to fire Holtman, they're going to get rid of the entire staff. He could even go and win the Big Ten tournament, and I still I still think they go elsewhere. Um, could they keep him around on the staff as an assistant coach? And would I be happy with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, d- I don't think he's going to be the head coach. I, I just don't think there's anything he possibly could do to to get hired full time and remove that interim tag. What do you think, Kit? I wouldn't say there's nothing he can do. I mean, obviously, if he goes undefeated the rest of the year and like wins the Big Ten tournament, it's going to be tough to get rid of him. But clearly, I don't. I don't think anyone would subscribe to thinking that's going to happen. Um, I think if you're if you're Diebler, you have to be focused on like putting together a pretty good end of the year right here. Try to make as deep of a run in the Big Ten tournament as you can, and then he should be looking at like where his next move is. Not focusing on like trying to get the Ohio State job, like just trying to build. I think I think he should be building his resume for what his next job will be, um, and then go from there. But yeah, I don't. I I agree with Brant. I don't think that they're going to hire him. I think that there's going to be too much time in the off season and too many other guys um, across college basketball. There's going to be a ton of guys available this uh, this off season, and Ohio State is going to want to explore all of their options before just going with Diebler uh, because he had a good end of the year. I just don't, I don't see that happening unless it's, unless it's an unreal run here at the end of the season. I just, I don't see it happening either. Yeah. I think the only way that he gets it, which I don't think there's any way in the world this happens, but if he takes Ohio state to the sweet 16, if he does what, you know, Chris Holtman was never able to do, you know, it's like, okay, well, this guy, maybe he can get more out of this team that Chris Holtman was never able to, and maybe he'll keep recruiting at the same rate Chris Holtman was. But, um, but yeah, I just, I don't see that happening. I do think there's like a, a benchmark he can get to, but you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. And at the end of the day, after seeing kind of what's happened with Rodney Terry at Texas, I'm not gonna say they're bad this year, but I definitely feel like they're not reaching you know, their full potential of what they are. Uh, and that makes that difficult. So uh, go through a few comments here and then we'll move on. Produce biggest strength is their biggest weakness. Edie, you can only play a certain way with him. Hard to stop, but easy to game plan for. Uh, I think that the game planning is, is, I wouldn't call it easy, but you can figure it out. I mean, ball screen to the top of the key hit that shot. I mean, Bruce Thornton was eating off that all day long because Zach Eady drops in his coverage so much, you just hit it right up there. Uh, but you also have to have a guy who can hit that shot. So I would say, yes, game planning is is fairly simple to beat, but the execution itself is uh, is rather difficult. You have to have the right guys there. So I see what you're saying, Philip. Uh, check it out. Seven, pretty sure Illinois is going to have a piece of the Big Ten title. They very well could. Uh, they very well could if they if they play the way they're supposed to. Uh, they need to play a little more defense, in my mind. Uh, I didn't like, you know, seeing Maryland score 80 on them <laughs> this weekend. But uh, still, I mean, Illinois, very good team. And, uh, yes, they have their pieces back together. So, all right, guys, any more thoughts on this one before we move on? I mean, they still play this year, don't they? Don't they have one more game against each other? Is that like... Illinois and Purdue, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would say... I don't know. I, if they win that game, yeah, sure. I right, wouldn't that's say what I'm that saying. Like, they have a chance. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, and I think, but it's at Illinois, I think. I'm checking really fast. Yeah, it is. 
yeah, Illinois still has at Wisconsin, which, you know, take that for what it's worth. And then uh, Purdue. So, and then at Iowa, then at Penn State, Iowa, Minnesota. Don't sleep on Minnesota now. We'll talk I about won't. them next. I'll never sleep on them. Yeah. Talk about them next. All right, here we go. Rutgers falls to Minnesota, 81 to 70. A tough game for the Scarlet Knights. I tell you, I put it on here thinking to myself, man, I really hope the Scarlet Knights get this win. Not because I'm rooting against Minnesota. I want Minnesota to win too, because I think both of them have this opportunity to make the NCAA tournament. But I just thought to myself, like, man, the story arc of like Jeremiah Williams coming in, saving the offense, Rutgers being able to do these things. Uh, but turns out Farrell Payne is a load, uh, <laughs> you're not going to stop Minnesota because Ben Johnson has proved everything that I've said the past two years wrong because Ben Johnson is a darn good coach. He's got some really good players around him. And I'm just, I'm overall very impressed with this Minnesota team. I wish they played some more quad one games in the out of conference. I think that will ultimately be their downfall of why they don't make the tournament. Uh, but I, I tell you, I really like this Minnesota team. Kent, what were your thoughts? Love him. Love, love Minnesota. They're one. I mean, they are literally my favorite team to cheer for this year. It's like them. And I always have a soft spot for Northwestern for some reason. But I think that uh, Ben Johnson was listening to the pod last week because we were talking about how Pharrell Payne uh, should not win six man of the year because he's a starter. And he listened to that. And he was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna put him in the starting lineup the rest of the year now because that's what Jr. and Kent told me to do. So put him in the starting lineup, had 21 points. And, you know, as always, we were right about this. He's the man. And uh, also interesting, I just love the way that they play. They share the ball so much. They play the right way. And all five guys that started today in double digits, that doesn't happen very often. All five guys over double digits. So um, love watching Minnesota play. I love, um, I love, I almost said uh, Max Christie, but I love Cam Christie. Love Pharrell Payne. Obviously my guy, Parker Fox. Like they just have like a great, uh, team to cheer they're easy to cheer for ben johnson's easy to cheer for and kind of the underdog story you know like we talked about last week a little bit everybody pretty much picked them to finish at least second to last or last in the big 10 and they're right there in the mix right now to possibly make the tournament man i really hope they make it hope they can finish strong and make it because i they're i love them i love them jr you know that I love this Minnesota team, man. Elijah Hawkins is my, like, I'm about ready to go buy Elijah Hawkins jersey, dude. This guy, 40 minutes today, he's just, he, he's passing the ball all over the court. Only only seven assists, but, like, that's literally what we're saying with Elijah. It's only seven assists this game. Yeah. Like, this dude's getting 10 assists a game, it seems like. And, man, he just passed the ball all over the place. And you're right. The brand of basketball that they play, it is share the ball. It's none of this crappy NBA ISO ball that Juwan Howard wants to run and Mike Woodson runs none of that like this is college basketball this is the way you want to see it play I just I, I love it I love it what do you think uh Brent yeah I mean I love the, play, the way they play ball that very team oriented but I I will say I hate their court and how elevated it is like it's just it's, <laughs> a, it's annoying to look at that is like why is it a stage come on it's a basketball court but you know, whatever. I, I guess I can look past that and try to root for them to make the tournament. Not going to be an easy task, like you said, with their uh, non-conference schedule. Uh, but that that stage is not a easy place for opponents to come and play, uh, as you saw today with Rutgers. Um, great win for Minnesota in this game. They kind of kind of dominated for pretty much the entire second half. Uh, pretty much had to put away. Um, I I think they. I, I don't think Minnesota is going to make the tournament. But they have they they have an opportunity. I'll say that because they've got three really really tough road games left. Um, they've got Michigan State, they've got Illinois, and they've got Northwestern. I don't think they're going to win any of those, but the opportunity is there. I think if they somehow, some way, win two out of three, they're going to be real hard to keep off the bubble. Yeah, for sure. Uh, got some great comments here. Payne is a grown ass man, period. Uh, David saying Sky U Ma. Uh, that's excellent. Uh, Philip, I doubt Minnesota makes the NCAA tournament. I want to see them go to the NIT and win it. That would be fun uh, to see them do that. But ultimately, I'd, I'd love to see him in the tournament. I I'll take either one at that point. Uh, Baba Doctor. I Interesting name, but thank you. Uh, Dawson Garcia is a star, too. He deserves respect. Yeah, Kent, you put Dawson Garcia in your award stuff. Where'd you put him? I forget. I had him uh, when we were doing our uh, first team all Big Ten. I think I chose him as like my sixth player or something like that. Yeah. 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 So 
So yeah, uh, Kent is uh, giving respect there, but uh, oh, Dave's not really a fan of you. You hate my court. Oh, hate your oh, wow, all right. Ouch. <laughs> and then some of the fans are ruthless. Yeah, they are. Um, I love the court, by the way, Minnesota fans. There seem to be a lot of them. I love it, guys. Great court. <laughs> uh, Fisherman says they have to beat OSU. Yes, Fisherman. Show them who's boss. <laughs> I'm actually on their schedule right now. You know what's going to be a big game for them is uh, at Nebraska. Like, if they yeah. can go out and do what nobody else has done, which is winning at uh, at Nebraska, that would be a huge win for them, and that would really open up some eyes like, oh, my God, they're the only team that was able to come out here and get a win. Um, that would be a huge resume booster for them. That That's coming up next week, right? And that's going to be – that's a huge game for Minnesota. I'll be – no offense to Nebraska. I love you guys too, but man, I would love to see Minnesota pick up that win and notch another one on their resume. That'd be great. Great. Well, there's, there's just there's so many good story arcs right now. Like, yeah. and we can talk about Nebraska. We can talk about Ohio State beating Purdue. Like, we can talk about all these things. But like, I, I really like to me, Minnesota is the best story in all of Big Ten basketball right now. What Ben Johnson has been able to do, like I said, the, the brand of basketball that these guys are playing together, like there's just so much about Minnesota that I love right now with watching them play, the story arc that they're creating that like, uh, and, and Nebraska's up there with me too. I love what Fred Hoiberg is doing, uh, but there's just something about this team. Like I inherently just love watching Minnesota. And it, like even tonight, I was rooting for Rutgers like, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, I want Rutgers to win. So that way we can have the story arc of them. But still, like deep down in my gut, I was like, but I, I really want Minnesota to win this game because, again, I just love the way they play. I love the yeah. Ben Johnson story arc. So, so yeah. Uh, any thoughts on Rutgers, Brent? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a fun little four-game run for them, but the fun's over and season's probably done with this one. Um, but aside from that, a, a lot to be happy about if you're a Rutgers fan. Uh, just kind of the way they turn their season around and the way Michael is coaching them up. And obviously what they have coming in next season is going to be a lot of fun there. But uh, yeah, that, this this season looks, looks like it's wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, it is. But uh, you know, you see Jeremiah Williams next year with um, uh, what Bailey and uh, Harper uh, coming in. That's going to be really, really fun to watch. Uh, gonna, I'm already gonna be, saying that that's going to be my Minnesota team next year. I'm going to be all over Rutgers. I'm going to love them next year. I don't yeah. hate them right now, but I'm really going to like them next year for sure. For sure. What do you think about uh, Rutgers right now, Kent? Yeah, I, I love like what Brant just said. It was a fun little run right here. It just doesn't feel like they're going to be able. I know I saw your tweet the other day that said, "Am I?" I think it was about Rutgers, right? When you said, "Am I crazy to think Rutgers can still make the tournament?" Yeah, that was I you right, that after Gar? the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And at the time, it made me think about it because I wasn't even really thinking about it yet. And I was like, man, are they actually going to make a little run here and make the big dance? That'd be crazy. But, uh, yeah, it feels like after this one, they they couldn't have dropped this one and uh, they're not going to be able to make it. But like Brant said, maybe they're the team. It'd be nice if Minnesota's the team that gets into the big dance and Rutgers is the team that goes and wins the NIT. How about we do that? There we go. Yeah, that would be fun. the Big Ten love around. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And like if Elijah Hawkins makes the NCAA tournament, you know like oh, other fans are gonna start loving him. Oh yeah. Like yeah. So yeah. Um Alibaba, friend of the show. Thank you. Had you on before. Need to get you guys on again sometime. The big thing for Minnesota is their chance uh, to that they can bring everybody back next year. Yes, that is an underrated part. I was meant I meant to say that earlier, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, they can bring a lot of these guys back next year and, and really make a huge, a huge difference. Parker Fox is an out of eligibility, right? Kent? He can, he, there's no way he can come back. Cause that would be his eighth oh. year. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So uh, that's a bummer. Like Cause Fox I'm a big here. fan of his, but uh, yeah, I think this is, this is his last little, uh, I shouldn't say last little run. Hopefully it's the last big run for him right here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sonny with a comment here. I think Ben Johnson gets the attention of bigger jobs that might be opening up, if not this year, then next. Yes. Um, but Ben Johnson also alum of Minnesota. So I'm also wondering like how long he sticks around. I hope he sticks around for at least another year or two. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, Minnesota is an under- underrated school, like really, really large alumni base. Like I think they have a lot of potential for NIL. They just ne- kind of need the right guys in there to do that. Um, and so you could the recruiting ground is obviously that's always kind of been their their detriment up there, but uh you can bring guys in. So 
yeah, Ben Johnson's definitely going to get attention. I just I hope Minnesota can hang on to him because I I love when former players are able to make it work. Uh, typically, they don't, which is part of the reason why I love to see him make it work. So, yeah, all right, I'm going um, uh, to have to disagree with Sonny at least right now on Ben Johnson getting attention of bigger jobs. I mean, Minnesota's very, I mean, historically middle of the Big Ten, which is not a bad job. And if he's not getting them to the tournament, no, no bigger team is going to come calling right now. If he keeps going on this trajectory, then maybe like three, four years he could be getting calls. But I, I think he's locked in in Minnesota for the next three, four or five years at least. Yeah, uh, especially this offseason with how many guys could be leaving. Uh, but I see what he's saying. I didn't take it as this offseason, um, but maybe yeah. that's what he uh, – bigger jobs might lose. Oh, he said, if not this year, but next. Okay, I I just thought he meant next year. So, but yeah, but you're right, Sonny. He's he's gonna be a rising star and do do some good things. So, all right, uh, Wisconsin falls to Iowa, guys. Uh, Wisconsin they faced Ohio State and they got their nice little win there, but uh, they're back to their losing ways. Uh, I know the Wisconsin fans are not happy. Uh, the Greg Guard firings have started, and it's not been. Not been pretty. Uh, Wisconsin could find themselves out of the top 25 here soon if they're not careful. Uh, that win over Ohio State's not really going to save them. I guess it might now since Ohio State beat Purdue, but that was also when Ohio State had Chris Holtman. So, you know, <laughs> for a team the way they've been playing, I suppose. Uh, but, Brant, I'm curious. What were your thoughts here with Wisconsin following falling at Iowa on Saturday? Yeah, man, that that was a heck of a game. That, that was probably the, my game of the weekend, and that's – uh, really, th- that really is saying something uh, with the way that the Ohio State game unfolded today. But we had a little overtime game here. Owen Freeman is going to be a superstar for Iowa, and that's what they need because they, without the Murray brothers, they, I mean, that they just don't have the star power. But give Owen Freeman another uh, season or two seasons, he really reminds me of Luca Garza for them a few years ago. Um, I, I think he could follow that kind of trajectory. And Brock Harding looked insane for them too. I know he's just a, a freshman, but he played really he played he didn't play too many minutes, but when, when he was out there, he was just fixing the ball and knocking shots down. Um he can be a big piece for them going forward as well. Uh, on the Wisconsin side of things, disappointing for them. Uh their fans are not happy right now the way things are going. And not really too much else to say other than just what happened. Uh, Dave, why does Wisconsin? Why do the Badgers suck right now? Oh wait, I'm a Gophers fan. I don't give. A- <laughs> oh, that's why I love college basketball and football. The rivalries make it so great. Uh, Ken, what were your thoughts? I I didn't get to watch all of this game. As I said, I'm at the lake right now in the mountains, and uh, I just thought that Wisconsin had control of this game in the first half. I go outside for a little bit, come back, and then all of a sudden it's a game. My boy Tony Parker's going off, of course. Or I'm sorry, Tony Perkins. I said Tony Parker. Sorry. Tony That's Parker okay. used to play basketball as well. Tony Perkins, game winner. Like those two things go together like peanut butter and jelly. I knew he was going to be the guy to get it done at the end. When it was a close game in overtime, I was like, just give it to TP. It's gonna he'll finish it off for you guys. So I was happy for Perkins. I was happy for my guy. But uh yeah, Wisconsin, man, I don't know. Iowa actually used to be the team that I was like, I can't figure this team out now. With the big swing back, it's like, I don't know if Wisconsin I can figure out. They were so good. I was defending them as someone that could outright win the Big Ten like a month ago. And now they're going to be like not even going to get a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. So I don't know what's going on. I really can't figure it out. I don't know if they're just missing shots, if they're uh, if they've been scouted too well on the second half of the Big Ten season here. I don't really know what's going on. I can't put my finger on it, but they have got to figure it out. Because they're a team that is going to be in the tournament. And uh, if they play anybody that has a pulse, it seems like at this point they're going to be out the first game. So I, I think that they uh, really need to figure it out. That's really all I can say about Wisconsin. And like I said, happy for my boy Tony Perkins, of course. Not Tony Parker. Tony Perkins. In my opinion, I'm happy for Tony Parker, too, by the way. He's he's living a pretty good life, I feel like. Uh, he's got to be. For, for Wisconsin, though... Um, if there's one player I could put my finger on, that's kind of an X factor for this team. And at least was an X factor uh, during their run when they were winning games. And is like, I, I guess we could call him the X factor because he's not playing well right now and they're losing games because of it. Max Klesman is my pick. 
I mean, it, the dude was unconscious when they were actually winning games. He was dropping like 20 points a game, just n- not missing shots. Um, and then he came, he came back down to the, the mass pleasant we saw last season when Wisconsin uh, didn't make the tournament and they were in the NIT where he's chucking shots up and nothing's falling. And that, that's been happening to him recent, recently. And Wisconsin's been losing games in turn. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. There, there, there are just certain players on this team that were not that are not performing like they were before. And Wisconsin kind of had a lull against who was it Penn State earlier this year, uh, and they were able to fight through and make that happen. And I said after that game, I said this is the type of game that people like teams who win the Big Ten. This is the type of game they win where they kind of have a stinker. You know, they don't really play their best game, uh, but they put it together and they get the win. Unfortunately. It's hard to do that. What five, six games in a row? Like they they put together bad games, and you know they, it's really, really hard to do that week in and week out in the Big Ten. Purdue, we just saw Purdue put together a bad game, and one of the worst teams in the Big Ten without their head coach took advantage of it. So, like at the end of the day, I mean, it's just when you play enough bad games, you lose, and when you don't have the players playing up to their potential, up to their ability, that's what happens. So, I, I think sometimes we try to make it more complicated than what it really is which is just like sometimes guys that just aren't playing as good as they were earlier in the season and I know that's simple and I know that's like <laughs> not what everybody wants to hear but I think you're right Brant like Max Klesman has just not been the same now as he was earlier in the year so uh Kent you have a fan uh Erica saying Kent is a Big Ten genius so uh you know, need, might need to change that name from casual Big Ten to genius Big Ten I might have to do that might have to be yeah. expert Big Ten that's definitely not somebody that I'm hanging out with this weekend too for sure gotcha. that's not somebody I'm hanging out with inside the cabin right now I did want to talk about Wisconsin though man like Go ahead. their schedule like everyone's schedule in the Big Ten right when you start going on losing streaks like this, you are looking for a game to like get right. We talk about that all the time, right? And when they when they dropped a couple in a row, it was supposed to be Michigan, and then they lost it. And then it was at Rutgers. They kind of like you know that's a tough game. And then it was Ohio State. And you even said this, Jr. You're like, if you need a get right game, Ohio State is the team. Back when Holtman was still there, they won that one. But then you start looking, and it's like there's not any games that when you start getting on a slide like this, there's not enough teams where you can like just stack together a couple wins. You have to go out and take it. There's not like, okay, we're going to play a couple cupcakes in a row in this conference. It never happens. Everyone's ready to win, especially when you have to go on the road for half the games. And it's just, man, it's just tough when you, it just feels like they got into the slide and they just can't get out of it at this point. Yeah, no, for sure. And one thing I was going to point out was like, Listen to their point totals for the four games before their stretch. And I apologize. It wasn't Penn State. They lost that Penn State game. They lost the, or they beat Minnesota um, at Minnesota, which was like, wow, how are you able to do that when they played as bad as they did? But, um, but yeah, so against Iowa before they scored 83, Iowa scored 72. They won that one. The Nebraska, they scored 88, had a bit of a drop, Ohio State 71, Northwestern 71, and they scored 83 against Penn State and they lose. But like, you know, you still have good offense, just the defense lets you down a little bit. Indiana, 91. Minnesota, again, that game, 61, but they still won. And Michigan State, 81. This was their first game since Michigan State. They scored over 80 points. So, and even when they scored 86 in this one, they still lost because Iowa has some really freaking good offense. And Tony Perkins took over at the end to, to win that game for him. So, like, I don't know. I mean, they scored they scored 50 cents, 56 against Rutgers. Yeah, it makes no sense. Makes no sense. Rutgers is really, really good defensively. It was at the rack. I get that. But like, if you want to win the Big Ten, you're you're not you're not gonna win it by scoring 56. So and by the way, that Minnesota game, if I'm remembering correctly, was the one where Hawkins intentionally missed the free throw and almost put back the the game tying jumper there in the corner. So they barely won that game too. So I don't know, man. Like I said, just very difficult to figure out this team because they'll Beat a team like Michigan State, like you just said, 81 to 66, and then they lose this one. It's like, ah, man, I don't know what to tell you guys. Just play more consistent, maybe? That'd be helpful. That's helpful for everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Brant, I made the comment earlier that, or earlier this year, that Wisconsin just hadn't played a whole bunch of good teams in a row. Yes, they played Marquette, Michigan State, Arizona earlier in the year, and they won two out of those three. Um, but 
they had not really played, you know, a good stretch of quad one and quad two games. Even after that one, they played a quad four in Jacksonville State. And before that, they played a quad four in Western Illinois. Um, this Nebraska game was a quad one. Purdue, quad one. Michigan at Michigan was a quad two. At Rutgers was a quad two. Ohio State was a quad two. And then at Iowa was a quad one. Is this, I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but like you just tell me what you think. Like, is this just what Wisconsin was and they were just kind of a product of a lucky schedule? Or like are we just seeing that down that that downside and it's like they can get back to what they were? I mean, I I think this might have just been what they were from the beginning. Um you you look at their team they had this year and the team they had last year, it's the exact same team plus AJ Store. It's not that much different. And that team didn't even make make the tournament. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think this is a team that, and I said this on the show a, f- a few weeks ago, back when they were top 10, I said, I don't think this is a top 10 team at all. And I mean, are they top 25? Maybe borderline fringe, maybe 25th, but, uh, yeah, that they're just, they're, they're not one of those top tier teams. Yeah. Can't you agree? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I have to, I, I just feel like I can't come on here in good faith and say that because I was gassing them up so much at the beginning of the season. And I, I guess I just like was blinded by the teams that they were playing, but I still have to go back to Michigan state though. Like I still believe Michigan state's a pretty good team and they beat them at both East Lansing and in Madison. So like, I just don't understand how they did that. And then they're dropping some games to some of these lower teams. I'd really just, I can't put my finger on it. Like I said, it's it's tough to figure out for them. But yeah, I guess I do have to agree with him. Maybe this is what they've been the whole time. And they were a product of uh, an easier schedule at the front end. And it's just coming back to bite them now. Yeah. Uh, you have another fan in the chat, uh, Courtney, saying yes. Uh, and then consistency is a key to a W. So uh, either you have some real fans or some people just uh, are reading your mind there, Kent. So. That's why I couldn't say what city I was in. I'm telling you, these oh. people would come find me. They're on yeah. me, man. All these fans. Uh, check it out. Seven says Wisconsin is losing to Iowa. Was the event or Wisconsin losing to Iowa? Was their event horizon? They're going into a black hole. Ooh, mm. Sounds bad. I don't want to go into a black hole. Uh, Wisconsin best win. Marquette is a rivalry game in Michigan State twice before Hall figured out we can play. Yes. Uh, Hall was obviously not playing his best game uh, then, but he's turned it on since the uh, Hall. Amazing, amazing player. We'll talk about him uh, after the Illinois game next. But before we do that, we do want to remind you, CUB Analytics, go check them out. They give us a free pro tier subscription to tell you every single episode to go check out CUB Analytics. They have wonderful content over there, game recaps, all different kinds of stats for either just your team, your conference, the entire nation, whatever it might be. Go check them out, CUB Analytics. You can pay for it and get really, really premium stuff, or you can just do the free version, and there's still really great stuff over there for that as well. So like I said, go check out CBB Analytics for some really awesome content. Uh, that's how we're able to have some of the stats that we do. I'm not really showing them off tonight because I'm on my spare computer, uh, which I don't have the login for uh, because like everybody else, you know, you, you have your logins connected to your computer and uh, my spare computer doesn't have that one. So I apologize. I'm not showing it off tonight, but CB Analytics is a great resource. Go check it out. All right, guys. Illinois beats Maryland 85 to 80 in this one. Terrence Shannon Jr. had a really, really good game scoring 27 points, but the defense obviously was lacking a little bit for Illinois in this one. And I know that's been a bit of a conversation point for the Illinois fans recently is, hey, our, our defense hasn't been quite what it was earlier this season. I still think that they have a lot of opportunity on defense with how much they can switch and how they're able to utilize their players. Coleman Hawkins is very, very good, but there are aspects to his game that he can be a little bit exposed on defense from time to time. We talked about that in the award episode and why I disagreed a little bit with Sonny, and he made some good counterpoints, but at the end of the day, Kent, um, Illinois, was this one too close? Uh, was this a good win, bad win? I mean, it was at Maryland, so we have to give him credit there, but what were your thoughts? I don't think it was too close. I mean, like you just said, it's tough to win anywhere on the road in this conference, so like a win on the road is a win on the road. You want to get in, get that win, and get right out of there, and then put the other team's shirt on and flip off the camera as you're taking off, too, if you really want to rub it in. Um, but no, I, I don't think it was too close. I think it was a, a good effort from Maryland. 
despite the fact that there was like seven people at this game, a weekend game. Like, what is going on? I, I get disappointed when there's a team. Now, I know Maryland's on a downslide right now, and they're not playing the best basketball ever. But if I'm living anywhere within 50 miles of Jameer Young playing basketball live, for the cost of what a ticket probably would be to get into a Maryland game, I'm going. And I'm going to watch him play every single time. And if I'm a Maryland fan, especially, I'm going. There was nobody at this game. And I, I thought that was disappointing for uh, Maryland and their fans, to be honest. I still love Jameer Young. I want to go watch him play every game. I still believe in uh, Julian Reese as well. So it's tough that they didn't have that support that they needed. But, you know, if you're an Illinois fan, you go on the road, you get this win. You get right out of there. Um, you get mad at the other coach for grabbing the ball before it goes out of bounds a couple times. Post some pictures on Twitter. You have some fun with some people online. And then uh, you listen to the other coach complain about uh, everything under the sun after the game as well. I'm just not, man, I, I just have to say this one more time. I, I'm already on record as saying this. I'm just not a Kevin Willard fan, man. Just not. I do not like him. He just seems like. I don't know. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep the rest of my thoughts to myself about Kevin Willard and let you guys finish the conversation about this game. But good win for Illinois, though, nonetheless. No matter what the score was or what the uh, the winning margin was at the end of the game. I'm, I'm gonna echo your thoughts on Kevin Willard there, Kent. Uh, I see why there were no fans in the stands. I mean, could you go and see Jabir Young? Yeah, but you, you also have to watch Kevin Kevin Willard coach. Uh, it's, there's a trade off there. Um, this team, Maryland, they were down by four points with about 40 seconds left. Uh, all they had to do was foul Illinois and they can maybe get the ball back down, uh, two possessions with only down four or five points. What they do, Kevin Willard says, Oh no, don't foul. Just, just take your out. But crazy to me. Like, what, what is he thinking? I, I've not said this earlier in the season because I didn't want to sound mean. And I knew that like Maryland fans were really excited about Kevin Willard after, you know, last season taking him to the tournament and stuff like that, which I, you know, was great for Kevin Willard to do. But like, what did he really do at Seton Hall to make us believe that he would do anything spectacular at Maryland? Right. Like I, I just looked up his records again just to make sure. I was like, is there something I'm missing? The guys had had two single digit win seasons his entire time coaching and and what uh what's that? One, two, three, four. I don't know. Over ten plus years of coaching. He's had he's had two single digit loss seasons the entire time. And in his years at Seton Hall, like he he was never really all that spectacular. Like he went to the tournament, but like didn't do all that much else. Uh, he was conference tournament champions in 16 with Seton Hall. So like, that's good. But like at the end of the day, I just, I never really got the allura of Kevin Mullard coming in to be this, this great piece for Maryland. And, and Philip is exactly right. Like how was Willard not given a technical when he caught the ball? Like Number one, he caught the ball inbounds. Number two, he's outside the, the coach's box. Like, what what in the world is going on there that they're not going to give him a technical foul? They're not going to like, like I know Illinois, you know, players sometimes like get a bad rap because they go crazy about the refs, but I'd be going crazy about the refs there too. Like it's completely ridiculous that there was no technical foul. There was nothing like, there's like, Oh, out of bounds. Like, Oh, the coach was basically out of bounds. So like, what is like, how many times do we see guys flying out of bounds to save a ball and throw it back in? Like, I just, it's just my, I'm, glad that, I'm just glad that play didn't end up like, being the factor of why they won or lost. Like, I'm glad they still won the game and I'm glad they won by five still. And yeah. that wasn't the reason for the win or the loss. But yeah, also, by the way, Terrence Shannon Jr., super fast guy and very athletic. And everyone like that was trying to defend, like Kevin Willard was like, oh, it was an overthrown pass and there was no chance he was going to catch him. Have you seen this man play basketball before? There's definitely a chance he was going to save that ball. So, uh, not to go crazy about that, because what we should really be going crazy about is what Brant said. He should have got a technical foul for not fouling at the end of the game. The ref should have came over and said, this is unexcusable that you're giving up on your team right now. Technical foul on you. You need to go to the locker room and let somebody else coach the rest of this game, because that is inexcusable. With that amount of time left, that big of a margin of the difference in the margin of victory, whatever you want to call it, they were only down by four. And uh, him not trying to extend the game there is absolutely unexcusable. Inexcusable, unexcusable, whatever the proper English word for that is. 
his players should have been freaking out on him at the end of that game um, about him not trying to extend it. Uh, Philip also said Seton Hall sending Maryland a thank you card for taking Willard to give them uh, <laughs> Shalid Howley. That's a really good point. That's a good coach, uh, by the way. They they had they had that game on tonight, um, and they were doing the like inside the huddle with him, and like he gets his players fired up. Man, I like him. I yeah, like Holloway. He He's a good was coach. It, was it was he the St. Peter's guy? Yeah, he's from St. Peter's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Philip also said, I, I, I thought this earlier, but I didn't want to say it. So I'm glad you said it, Philip. I wish Shannon would have run Willard over to get the ball. Um, I wish, as long as nobody got hurt, um, I think that would be fun. Yeah. Like, could you imagine if Terrence Shannon Jr. got hurt during that? Like, oh, that would just be, that would be so awful. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think if Mar- Kevin Willard got hurt, that would have been okay, though. Well, <laughs> I said if Willard got hurt, we would have been okay with that. Yeah, he can still coach, right? Yeah. Not like badly. I don't want him to get hurt badly, but like if he twisted his ankle or something and he had to be on crutches yeah. for the remainder of the season. That would have been pretty funny to watch. Right. Um, okay. So last question. Um, so this popped into my head. And I know this is a basketball show, but we're kind of related to football here for a minute. So everybody remember what Mario Cristobal did at Miami when they oh, didn't yeah, throw the yeah, ball yeah. down. Okay. Yeah. Worst coaching move. What Mario Cristobal did, which like, by the way, Georgia Tech still had to go like, you know, 60 yards to win that game in like 20 seconds but i mean they did it uh worst coaching move mario cristobal not kneeling with like 20 seconds left and his guy fumbles the ball or kevin willard here not fouling with 40 seconds left down by four like which is the worst coaching move brent what do you think i'm gonna go mario cristobal i mean that's that is the worst of all coaching moves i've ever seen and nothing's ever gonna top that like okay you you won the game, just need the ball, and, and then you didn't need the ball, and they lost the game. But I mean, this is also inexcusable. Like, you you could have extended the game, and you just chose not to. Uh, I think the same the same kind of thing happened uh, in the Tampa Bay Detroit NFL playoff game, where uh, Tampa could have called a timeout and potentially gotten the ball back with a few seconds left, and they just kind of let it run too. Um, I don't. It's just kind of accepting defeat when you don't have to yet. I'm not sure why why that happened. Yeah, no, that's a good point. What do you think, Kit? I think they're equal. I do think that Crystal Balls is a little bit like obviously that one affected the outcome of the game for sure. And this one, it's hard to say that they're equal because we don't know what would have happened had they extended the game. And we know what for sure happened with Georgia Tech and Miami. So uh I still think that they're equal though. Like it's like like Brant said, like I said, it's inexcusable. You cannot at least try until there's zeros on the clock, man. Like you just got to, you have to. And uh, just to mail it in like that for the last 40 seconds of the game is just like, I, I have no respect for that whatsoever. You just have to, you have to try. You have to try until the end. Yeah. Fireable offense. I mean, fireable offense. Uh, he, he's lucky he made the tournament last year. Cause I don't, I don't know if he'd be hanging on at the end of this year. I think he probably will hang on at the end of this year, but like still, yeah. Uh, Jackson coming in. What up, Big Ten Nation? What up, Jackson? Glad to have you here. Appreciate you coming in, checking in with the Big Ten. We've got one more Big Ten game to get to, which is Michigan State beats Michigan 73-63 to in this one. So, obviously, they're going to Michigan. There was a little bit of uh, concern. You know, Michigan was able to get the upset against their rival Ohio State earlier this season at home. And so there was some thought, well, maybe they can make the magic happen again. Doug McDaniel will be back. Uh, but no, Michigan State is able to take care of business. Brent, what were your thoughts? Yeah, just a- another good one. For for Michigan State, they just need to keep building some momentum. And I think having having the game against Michigan on their schedule is good for this team to kind of go and, go and play a lesser team. You know, also a rivalry game to get, get a little chippy and uh, – just to go and collect that win is good for the Spartans because they're, they're going to need to keep building some momentum as they uh, gear, gear up for March, which is, you know, that that's when Michigan State really strikes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and they and they need to keep um, um, Blake on his first name, Hall, um, Malik Hall. Uh, they need to keep him him going because at the end of the day, like he's he and AJ Hogard are going to be the ones that determine what this team is going to be able to do. And Tyson Walker, I mean, he's going to do what Tyson Walker does, but he needs somebody to play next to him and make that stuff happen. So, Kent, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I actually thought Michigan played really well in this game for thirty five minutes, and then or thirty two minutes, I guess, because the last seven minutes of the game they did not score at all. They went 
over everything in Michigan State scored, which honestly, not even that impressive. Michigan State only scored 10 points the last seven minutes, but that was enough to get a 10 point win because they were tied at the seven minute mark. So um, just what you expect from Michigan at this point, like the game that they beat Wisconsin was the outlier in this season for Michigan. They actually were able to hang on to a second half lead and kind of knew that in this game, no matter how much they were up, I think they were even up at least five, maybe seven in the second half. And uh, you were just waiting for that moment where they were going to go for a drought. And for them, they waited for the last seven minutes of the game. And then that drought finally came. Um, I did get into it on Twitter with somebody because I, I said that the reason they go on droughts like that is because of Juwan Howard. And someone said, you know, they got into it with me and said like, well, he's not playing, but college basketball of any sport, not that this dude is even listening to this podcast right now, but is the most coach impressionable sport ever. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but the coaches have a big impact on the success of the team. And the fact that we're not going to hold Juwan Howard accountable for not scoring a singular point for seven minutes in a rivalry game at home when the other team is chanting go green and go white is like just crazy to me. And uh, I look back at like the Ohio state game, they fired their coach and they went and got a big upset win. You have to think like if they would have fired Juwan before this game, would it have been different? Because I do think Michigan's similar to Ohio state where the roster is talented. They're just coached so poorly, but for Michigan State, though, great win. Like I just said, going on the road anywhere in this conference and getting a win is good. And like we've been talking about all year, JR, this team just always finally clicks at the right time, and they always save it for March, the end of February, March, and they're doing it again this year. So it's going to be exciting to watch them the rest of the year. I'm I'm, I'm also cheering for them because they've been so up and down this year, so I'm, I'm cheering for them to make a deep run as well. Yeah, I'm probably going to lose my bet to Tricky here and uh, figure out a way to send him a Buckeye especially considering I do not live in Ohio. So I don't know how I'm going to send them a Buckeye, but I guess I'll get my parents to find one or something. But uh, no, I I completely agree. Uh, Michigan is a very talented team. And while I do think the bad coaching is different, like I think Chris Holtman did a good job coaching for like large parts of the game, but then there were just like certain runs where he wasn't able to scheme anything for his guys. uh, And his guys just kind of got three happy or in the late end of games, like his guys just didn't have, the confidence and with Juwan Howard, like, you know, uh, he lets his guys play and they have a lot of skill and they do a lot of things well. But then at the end of the day, it's like, it's like eventually something's going to happen to where the team just kind of falls apart in a part of the game. And just so happened in this one, it was at the end of the game when Michigan state went on a 10 0 run to, you know, essentially win the game uh, toward the end there. So um, yeah, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, like there's just, there's not much, else to say other than like Michigan state figures it out at the end of the season. And Michigan is probably not going to fire Juwan Howard, even though they should. Um, but everything I'm reading and, and hearing is saying they're not going to fire Juwan Howard, which I think is crazy. Um, crazy. Yeah. Z. Yeah. I still, I mean, I've seen all that, but I still just don't even believe it. There's like, what do you gain well, from keeping him around? They, they look at a man and they're like, "Oh, he brought us to the what was it, Elite Eight or whatever." Like, "Oh, he yeah, and it's like the John yeah, but, exactly." Like, this is also the fan base, which, like, again, I'm not trying to get into football. This is also the fan base that talks about like Ryan Day is born on third base, which, like, we can get to that. Like, and there and there's a legitimate argument there, but like, let's also talk about how like Juwan Howard had all the dudes from john beeline and like if there's somebody who was really born on third base and got somewhere with like his guys like it was Jawan howard and he, the man he's just he's just fallen off since then so i mean i look at it and i'm like i'm not trying to make this an ohio state michigan thing but i do look at it and i say man what has Jawan howard shown us with the players that he's brought in that he is a viable college basketball player you know, power six, power five, whatever it is now, coach. I mean, is there anything he's done in your mind, Brent? Yeah, no, there, there's just not. And now's the time to get rid of them. I mean, there's so many names on the coaching market. Exactly. Michigan's going to get somebody. If they fire Jawan right now, they're going to get somebody that's a proven head coach that can win at this level and is going to, you know, build their program up to better than eight and 18. I mean, any, anyone can make it better than eight and 18. 
yeah, I mean, especially at Michigan. Like, Michigan's not a bad basketball school. They're a good basketball school. We saw what John Bela was able to do. And talk about, like, the academic standards and all that stuff. But look what the football team just did. <laughs> they have right. the same academic standards. So, like, it can happen. What do you think, Kent? Well, the football team cheated, right? So, like, that's why. Well, maybe that's what right? they need the basketball team to do. Just go look over the plays, you know? They did that, though, too, and they got all their banners taken down. Do you remember that? So they've yeah, tried they that. They went yeah. down that path. No, I think, uh, yeah, I think he for sure has to go. Like Brant was saying, there's too many guys that are going to be available at the end of the year, and Michigan's going to be able to persuade one of them to come. I know Jawan Howard is a Michigan guy and all that good stuff, but he's got to go. It's over. I mean, you, it's been <laughs> – I mean – I know he's had the runs that he's had in the tournament. Like you said, they got they were a shot away from a Final Four and uh, all that great stuff. But like Brant said, again, it was John Beeline's guys. And one bad season at a school like Michigan is enough to get you fired. And this has been a historically bad year for Michigan. So they got to let him go. Yeah, I mean, if it was like a 500 year, like I would get it. You know, like, oh, he made it to the Elite Eight, stuff like that. But they're 8 and 18. It's bad. I mean, the team's bad. Like, and they're talented too. That's not, that's the tough part. So, uh, any more thoughts, Brant, before we move on? Yeah, no, just, uh, just, I would love to see Joel on stay if we just got being an Ohio State friend. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that's my thoughts on the situation. There you go. All right. Uh, so the first time ever on, uh, Oh, there we go. So first time ever on the Big Ten Huddle, we're actually going to talk some uh, women's basketball and we're not going to go do like a full uh, big game recap or anything. However, we can talk about Caitlin Clark breaking the scoring record and uh, who was that against Michigan? Oh, yeah, Michigan, because they were all the notes and everything to her at the end, which like, you know, cool, good sportsmanship. Um, that's awesome, I guess, but I don't know. It didn't, it didn't really tickle my fancy, I suppose. Uh, but whatever. So, but the biggest thing of it was that Jay Williams, he was on, uh, what was it, college game day, and he was talking about Caitlin Clark. And he was saying, in his mind, Caitlin Clark is not to this like elite great level yet because she hasn't won the national championship, which, like, I mean, I know that we've talked about like the flop and like, can you put that out there and stuff like that from the, you know, from the Ohio state game and stuff. But like, I like, if you're the leading scorer in women's college basketball history, you you're great. Right. Kit. Absolutely. I, I don't, I, I think everyone's entitled to their opinion. I have had bad opinions on this very show multiple times. And uh, I'm still entitled to make more, and I will make more in the future. But, uh, you know, uh, this is just a wrong take from Jay on, on his part. Anyone who is the leading scorer in their sport, period, is great. And if you're only measuring great off championships, there's going to be a long list of players throughout basketball, whether you're talking about men's, women's, or Little League, anything, that have not won championships that are great players. So I just think it's a bad take. I think if he had to do it over again, he would not have said that. And I get what he was saying, you know, uh, mentored by Kobe, which I don't really understand their connection, but I even think that Kobe, <laughs> I, I especially think that Kobe would have respect for Caitlin Clark and what she's done for the women's game. And uh, to to bring all these new fans to the game and everything that she's done to uh, bring money to the game, everything, you know, we wouldn't have ever probably talked about women's basketball if it wasn't for someone like Caitlin Clark on a show like this. So um, I think Kobe would recognize that. And I think that for Jay to kind of put Kobe, who can't even defend himself at this point, uh, like as the reason why. He would say something like a championship makes you great is, uh, I don't know. I just think it's kind of childish for him to even say that. And I think it was a bad take on his part. Yeah. What do you think, Brent? Yeah, I, I kind of see what he's saying. I do think that at the professional level, you have to have a championship tied to be one of the all time greats. I think, I think being for, for the NBA and for the NFL, you have to have a championship to be one of the all-time greats. But in college basketball, no, you you don't need a, you don't need a title. I mean, be if you're the all-time leading scorer, you're clearly going to you're going down as one of the all-time greats. I mean, that just that's an, that's the only accolade you need. But yeah, I think looking at a professional level, 
you definitely do need a championship. Um, just because, you know, it's a longer window too. Like you only play college basketball for one to four years. Winning the, the way that like the bracket set up as well, it's a very, very hard thing to do. Uh, a lot easier at the professional level. You just have to have a good season, make the playoffs when not your title. Um, but yeah, no, Caitlin Clark is the greatest women's college basketball player of all time. And she settled that when, uh, when she broke that scoring record. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like at the end of the day, like you said, like a professional level, I get it. You know, like there's, you know, what, 30 some teams or whatever in most leagues and, you know, there's salary caps and all that stuff that make things equal. People have 10 plus year careers, but in college basketball, like you play four, you know, sometimes eight, I guess, <laughs> your careers, but you're still not playing the entire time. And like, you know, I'm not going to say Iowa was like a bad program. They weren't like Iowa has historically been a pretty good women's college basketball program, you know, consistently in the tournament. They have a long time in uh, Lisa Blutter, Bluter, I forget how to say her name, but, uh, you know, she's been good uh, when she was a coach there. So like at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I, I think that championship argument at the college level, I guess if you're like at UConn, maybe but like i just don't see it so all right everybody hey thanks for joining us thanks for coming in thank you kent thank you brant for coming on we appreciate you guys uh i know that uh kent has to get back to his recruiting and stuff like that down in georgia for no the doubt. big 10 so you know kent uh do the lord's work down there help us out uh tell people where they can find you at before we get out of here at casual big 10 on twitter i'll never stop calling it that at casual big 10 and uh i haven't done a pod in like a week and a half uh so don't go to my podcast right now because it's it's old at this point so just just on twitter come follow me on twitter great content over there on twitter brant what about you yeah you can find me over at, at big banner sports on twitter on instagram uh on tiktok and big com as well um, as jr mentioned earlier very good uh thank you check it out seven good show good listener Check it out, Seven. You're a good listener. Appreciate it. Uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for having a, uh, watching tonight. We appreciate it. We'll be back on Tuesday night for our football episode. Zach Guggenheim will be joining me with uh, – I forget who else is on. But anyway, just come and check it out. We'll have a good time. See you, everybody. Have a good night.